We're glad you've joined us on Songs of Praise, an hour of musical reflection to encourage your heart.
See 
hope you're enjoying Songs of Praise. Here's some more inspirational music. There's more that rises in the morning than the sun More that shines in the night than just the moon There's more than just this fire here that keeps me warm In a shelter that is larger than this room And there's a loyalty that's deeper than mere sentiment And a music higher than the songs that I can sing Stuff of earth competes for the allegiance to the giver of all good things So if I stand, let me stand on the promise That you will pull me through And if I can't, let me fall on the grace That first brought me to you And if I sing, let me sing for the joy That has borne in me than the wind More that pulses in the ocean than the tide There's a love that is fiercer than the love between friends More gentle than a mother's when a baby's at her side And there's a loyalty that's deeper than mere sentiment And a music higher than the songs that I can sing The stuff of earth competes for the elite I only to the giver of all good things. So if I stand, let me stand on the promise that you will pull me through. And if I can't, let me fall on the grace that first brought me to you. And if I sing, let me sing for the joy that has borne in me. Softly 
and tenderly Jesus is calling Calling for you and for me See on the portals He's waiting and watching Watching for you and for me Why should we tarry When Jesus is pleading Pleading for you and for me And heed not his mercies, mercies for you and for me. Come home, come home, ye who are weary. the wonder
Freedom's calling, chains are falling, hope is dawning, bright and true. Day is breaking, night is quaking, God is making all things new. Jesus saves. Hear the heart of heaven beating. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. And the hush of mercy breathing. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Hear the host of angels sing. Glory to Saves. See the humblest hearts adore him. Jesus saves, Jesus saves, and the wisest bow before him. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. See the sky alive with praise, mountains darkness in his blaze. There is light forevermore.
Songs of Praise continues with more inspirational music.
Help me put aside my worries and my cares so I can know you, really know you. Lord, help me Songs of Praise. It's our desire to encourage and uplift your thoughts to our loving Creator God. Shaking, keep your lamps all trimmed and burning, ready for your Lord's returning. Lo, He comes, lo, Jesus comes. Lo, He comes, He comes. 
comes, O glorious Jesus comes to reign victorious. Lo, He comes, yes, Jesus comes. Lo, the promise of your Savior, pardon sin and purchase favor. Blood washed robes, your crowns of glory. Haste to tell redemption's story. Lo, He comes, lo, Jesus comes. Lo, He comes, He comes, oh glorious. Jesus comes to reign victorious. Lo, He comes, yes, Jesus comes. Our crumb, his chariot wheels are rumbling. Tell, oh, tell, 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 sounding. Victorious though he comes, yes, Jesus comes. Sinners come while Christ is pleading. Now for you he's interceding.
our burdens grow greater. He sends us more strength as our labors increase to To multiply trials, he multiplies peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed, and the days have Our Father's forgiving has only begun. Hear not that your need shall exceed its provision. Our God ever yearns His resources to share. Lean hard on the arm everlasting availing. The Father will bear up both you and your cares. His love has no limits. Grace has no measure, His power no boundary known unto men. For out of His infinite riches in Jesus, He blesses and blesses. And blesses again. They that wait upon the Lord. 
Join us again next time on Songs of Praise, brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio, to enjoy more uplifting music. Welcome to 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading program. The book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen White, presents the parables of Jesus in a fresh light, showing their application to Christian living today. In this devotional classic, Ellen White explores the depths of the best-loved teachings of Jesus, offering a deeply spiritual understanding of the parables of Christ as they apply to our lives today. You'll enjoy the practical applications in a way that touches your heart. Listen now as Clive Nash reads. Continuing the chapter, Shall not God avenge his own? His object is to instigate evil, and when he has succeeded, throw all the blame upon the tempted ones. He points to their filthy garments, their defective characters. He presents their weakness and folly, their sins of ingratitude, their unlikeness to Christ, which have dishonoured their Redeemer. All this, he urges, as an argument proving his right to work his will in their destruction. He endeavours to affright their souls with the thought that their case is hopeless, that the stain of their defilement can never be washed away. He hopes so to destroy their faith that they will yield fully to his temptations and turn from their allegiance to God. The Lord's people cannot of themselves answer the charges of Satan. As they look to themselves, they are ready to despair, but they appeal to the divine advocate. They plead the merits of the Redeemer. God can be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Romans 3.26 With confidence the Lord's children cry unto him to silence the accusations of Satan and bring to naught his devices. Do me justice of mine adversary, they pray. And with the mighty argument of the cross, Christ silences the bold accuser. The Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan, even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? When Satan seeks to cover the people of God with blackness and ruin them, Christ interposes. Although they have sinned, Christ has taken the guilt of their sins upon his own soul. He has snatched the race as a brand from the fire. By his human nature he is linked with man, while through his divine nature he is one with the infinite God. Help is brought within the reach of perishing souls. The adversary is rebuked. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with change of raiment. And I said, Let them set a fair mitre upon his head. So they set a fair mitre upon his head and clothed him with his garments. Then with the authority of the Lord of hosts, the angel made a solemn pledge to Joshua, the representative of God's people. If thou wilt walk in my ways, and if thou wilt keep my charge, then thou shalt also judge my house, and shalt also keep my courts. And I will give thee places to walk among these that stand by, even among the angels that surround the throne of God. Zechariah chapter 3, verses 3 to 7. Notwithstanding the defects of the people of God, 
Christ does not turn away from the objects of his care. He has the power to change their raiment. He removes the filthy garments. He places upon the repenting, believing ones his own robe of righteousness and writes pardon against their names on the records of heaven. He confesses them as his before the heavenly universe. Satan, their adversary, is shown to be an accuser and deceiver. God will do justice for his own elect. The prayer, Do me justice of mine adversary, applies not only to Satan, but to the agencies whom he instigates to misrepresent, to tempt, and to destroy the people of God. Those who have decided to obey the commandments of God will understand by experience that they have adversaries who are controlled by a power from beneath. Such adversaries beset Christ at every step, how constantly and determinedly no human being can ever know. Christ's disciples, like their master, are followed by continual temptation. The scriptures describe the condition of the world just before Christ's second coming. James the Apostle pictures the greed and oppression that will prevail. He says, Go to now, ye rich men. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. James 5 verses 1 to 6. This is a picture of what exists today. By every species of oppression and extortion, men are piling up colossal fortunes while the cries of starving humanity are coming up before God. Judgment is turned away backward and justice standeth afar off. For truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. Yea, truth faileth, and he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. Isaiah 59 verses 14 and 15. This was fulfilled in the life of Christ on earth. He was loyal to God's commandments, setting aside the human traditions and requirements which had been exalted in their place. Because of this, he was hated and persecuted. This history is repeated. The laws and traditions of men are exalted above the laws of God, and those who are true to God's commandments suffer reproach and persecution. Christ because of his faithfulness to God, was accused as a Sabbath-breaker and blasphemer. He was declared to be possessed of a devil and was denounced as Beelzebub. In like manner, his followers are accused and misrepresented. Thus, Satan hopes to lead them to sin and cast dishonor upon God. The character of the judge in the parable, who feared not God nor regarded man, was presented by Christ to show the kind of judgment that was being executed and that would soon be witnessed at his trial. He desires his people in all time to realize how little dependence can be placed on earthly rulers or judges in the day of adversity. Often the elect people of God have to stand before men in official positions who do not make the word of God their guide and counselor, but who follow their own unconsecrated, undisciplined impulses. In the parable of the unjust judge, Christ has shown what we should do. Shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him? 
Christ, our example, did nothing to vindicate or deliver himself. He committed his case to God. So his followers are not to accuse or condemn, or to resort to force in order to deliver themselves. When trials arise that seem unexplainable, we should not allow our peace to be spoiled. However unjustly we may be treated, let not passion arise. By indulging a spirit of retaliation, we injure ourselves. We destroy our own confidence in God and grieve the Holy Spirit. There is by our side a witness, a heavenly messenger, who will lift up for us a standard against the enemy. He will shut us in with the bright beams of the Son of Righteousness. Beyond this, Satan cannot penetrate. He cannot pass this shield of holy light. While the world is progressing in wickedness, none of us need flatter ourselves that we shall have no difficulties. But it is these very difficulties that bring us into the audience chamber of the Most High. We may seek counsel of one who is infinite in wisdom. The Lord says, Call upon me in the day of trouble. Psalm 50 verse 15. He invites us to present to him our perplexities and necessities and our need of divine help. He bids us be instant in prayer. As soon as difficulties arise, we are to offer to him our sincere, earnest petitions. By our importunate prayers, we give evidence of our strong confidence in God. The sense of our need leads us to pray earnestly, and our Heavenly Father is moved by our supplications. Often those who suffer reproach or persecution for their faith are tempted to think themselves forsaken by God. In the eyes of men, they are in the minority. To all appearance, their enemies triumph over them. But let them not violate their conscience. He who has suffered in their behalf and has borne their sorrows and afflictions has not forsaken them. The children of God are not left alone and defenseless. Prayer moves the arm of omnipotence. Prayer has subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire. We shall know what it means when we hear the reports of the martyrs who died for their faith. Turneth to flight the armies of the aliens. Hebrews 11 verses 33 and 34. If we surrender our lives to his service, we can never be placed in a position for which God has not made provision. Whatever may be our situation, we have a guide to direct our way. Whatever our perplexities, we have a sure counsellor. Whatever our sorrow, bereavement or loneliness, we have a sympathising friend. If in our ignorance we make missteps, Christ does not leave us. His voice, clear and distinct, is heard saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, verse 6. He shall deliver the needy when he crieth, the poor also, and him that hath no helper. Psalm 72, verse 12. The Lord declares that he will be honoured by those who draw nigh to him, who faithfully do his service. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Isaiah 26, verse 3. The arm of omnipotence is outstretched to lead us onward and still onward. Go forward, the Lord says. I will send you help. It is for my name's glory that you ask. 
and you shall receive. I will be honoured before those who are watching for your failure. They shall see my word triumph gloriously. All things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. Matthew 21 verse 22 Let all who are afflicted or unjustly used cry to God. Turn away from those whose hearts are as steel and make your requests known to your Maker. Never is one repulsed who comes to Him with a contrite heart. Not one sincere prayer is lost. Amid the anthems of the celestial choir, God hears the cries of the weakest human being. We pour out our heart's desire in our closets. We breathe a prayer as we walk by the way, and our words reach the throne of the monarch of the universe. They may be inaudible to any human ear, but they cannot die away into silence, nor can they be lost through the activities of business that are going on. Nothing can drown the soul's desire. It rises above the din of the street, above the confusion of the multitude, to the heavenly courts. It is God to whom we are speaking, and our prayer is heard. You who feel the most unworthy, fear not to commit your case to God. When he gave himself in Christ for the sin of the world, he undertook the case of every soul. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Romans 8 verse 32. Will he not fulfill the gracious word given for our encouragement and strength? Christ desires nothing so much as to redeem his heritage from the dominion of Satan. But before we are delivered from Satan's power without, we must be delivered from his power within. The Lord permits trials in order that we may be cleansed from earthliness, from selfishness, from harsh, unchristlike traits of character. He suffers the deep waters of affliction to go over our souls, in order that we may know him and Jesus Christ whom he has sent, in order that we may have deep heart longings to be cleansed from defilement, and may come forth from the trial purer, holier, happier. Join us again next time as Clive Nash continues to read from the book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen G. White. hope you enjoy the short presentation of how God led His people after the Reformation from lineagejourney.com. Michael Tchaikovsky is an interesting character who tends to divide opinion. He was educated for the priesthood in his native Poland, but had to flee the country on the back of a hay-covered wagon because the monastery that he was a part of had gotten involved in national politics. He was later imprisoned in Rome, then was an exile in France for three years before he came here to Switzerland, where he renounced the priesthood, got married, and then headed across to the United States of America. 
There he converted first to Protestantism and then later on in Finley, Ohio to Adventism. Having an ex-Catholic priest amongst the church attracted a lot of attention and frequent mentions in the Review and Herald. He worked near the Canadian border with the French settlers before moving to New York City, where he worked with the French, Hungarians, Italians, Poles and Swedes and raised a congregation in Brooklyn. James White found him a difficult person to work with, a stubborn character who liked to march to the beat of his own drum. He longed to go back to Europe though and pleaded unsuccessfully with the brethren to send him. He was seen as being too rash, sometimes difficult to work with and not good at handling money. He received several letters from Ellen White that both commended him and counseled him. She urged him not to mark out his own course, but to wait for the counsel of the brethren. Soon after this, he went to a camp meeting organized by the Advent Christian Church and told them of his desire to go back to Europe and they agreed to sponsor him. In 1864, he came over and went to Northern Italy where he worked near Torre Pilizzi for 14 months. He then came here to Switzerland where he worked for about three years and baptized around 40 believers. He raised up several churches, the main one being here in Tramalan. It was organized in 1867 and is the first Sabbath-keeping Adventist church that was organized outside of North America. However, Tchaikovsky had not told the new believers that they were part of a larger church in North America. But one of the believers here in Tramalan found a copy of the Review and Herald in Tchaikovsky's belongings and began correspondence with the church in America. The first letter that he sent was simply addressed, Adventist, Battle Creek. And as it began correspondence, it caused much joy to the church in America to hear of the Sabbath-keeping Adventists in faraway Switzerland. He would later run into financial difficulties, both with the press that he had mortgaged and with the Advent Christian Church, who eventually found out that while they were sponsoring him, he was evangelizing with a different message to the one that they held to, and the sponsorship was dropped. He would go on to work in France, Germany, Hungary, and then in Romania, where he raised up another group of converts. He died of exhaustion at the age of 57 in 1876. His legacy is a mixed one. Many of his converts were of the highest quality who will go on to make a significant impact in the church in Europe. He was a hard worker who preached the gospel in new places, but he had some administrative flaws and character flaws that left their mark on the work and those he came in contact with. God did bless his preaching, but the story of his life poses the question, what if? May we listen to the counsel of our colleagues. May we adhere to the inspired counsel and may we work in harmony with the brethren as we forward God's work. To view more episodes in the series, visit lineagejourney.com. Oh,